A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Wrap and IGN, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold, and you can refer to me as everybody else refers to me, your royal sex machine. His royal sex machine, and oh, I'm sorry, your royal sex your machine ro- and I <laughs> uh, are, are here today with a, with a sort of unexpected follow-up to our previous episode. Mm. On the previous episode of Cancelled Too Soon, we reviewed... Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. And it was great. It was so good, you guys. <laughs> we have we have representatives it's, from Hanna Barbera, like with like javelins pointed at our heads. It's great that you made that awful thing, Bart. <laughs> um yeah, it sucked. It, but one of the things that was weirdest about it was that it was called Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, and it had nothing to do with the hit. Western mm. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids starring Paul Newman and Robert Redford. That movie was a huge smash when it came out in 1969. Do I have my information? 69, right on that? That's right. Um, and yeah, it, there's no denying it. It's a great motion picture. I'm in love with it. Whitney, I think you're a little bit less of a fan. Uh, I I don't like the film. You don't uh, like Butch Cassidy and Sundance. I don't Kids. like. I, well, I mean, they're, they're sort of. Some of the, the their bungled bank robbery scenes are really amusing, like mm. where they're trying to speak Spanish and they can't. Yeah. That those scenes are really funny. Yeah. Um, but their sort of camaraderie is cloying to me and it uh-huh. has a Burt Bacharach song in which I hate. Okay, well then we're just and, we're just two completely different people because the, I love the, Burt Bacharach. The the ro- just the, the romance of these men kind of bravely giving their lives over to this lifestyle is I don't know. I can't get behind the machismo. See, I don't think it's. I don't. I honestly don't think Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid is one of these mm. exaltations of machismo. I think it is about taking the legend of these guys mm. and saying, okay, they did a bunch of stuff that, from a cinematic perspective, you put it on camera, it's cool. Mm. But they were just guys. Yeah. And so they have silly bicycle adventures with their girlfriend, or they bicker like little kid brothers who are playing mm. at cops and robbers. Um, and I actually really, really like how many different tones and perspectives on the quote-unquote Wild West that, in particular, William Goldman's script brings to it. But I think mm. also just think the cast is great, oh, yeah. and I think George Roy Hill is a wonderful director. I think George Roy Hill is a wonderful director. I think he's done some really wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Um, not this one. This, this one's not one of them. Um, I'm, I, uh, just 
there's something about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid that just rubs me the wrong way. And I think there's a weird sort of smug overtone to the movie that, that um, just ha- has me thinking less of the characters than I think the filmmakers want me to. Like, uh, it's... It, it doesn't make me see them as sort of warm human characters. It makes me see them as kind of dicks. And these aren't characters I want to survive or want to follow. Well, then uh, mm. you must have been very thrilled with the movie's ending in which they mm. died. Uh, sure, I guess. <laughs> I mean, but, like, the movie's like, the movie we, we have to go on a hail of bullets. Why? Just run away. <laughs> well, they can't. They're surrounded. Okay. They're screwed. So they decide, rather than just let them come in and shoot us... Oh. We'll go, we'll go out swinging. What the hell? Maybe it'll work. Who knows? Like, I think that, that moment where it's just mm-hmm. like, maybe we will get out of this one is just mm-hmm. sort of kind of pathetic and tragic. Uh, okay. The movie ends, listen, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, if you haven't seen it, it's set in the Old West. Those characters are dead now. And they're, <laughs> they're, real, real, pe- they're real people. They're real yeah, people. They, so they, they did die. Like, we're not ruining anything uh, there. And it's got a very famous ending in which they go out in a blaze of glories, mm-hmm. allegedly. And it ends in a freeze frame. Mm. Not unlike the 400 they, blows. They, they they charge out of they're they're surrounded by the posse and they're uh, they're they have like just a few bullets left and they realize that there's n- like no other way to go out. It's like we, let's just keep going Louise and they look Basically, at each other yeah. And, they, yeah, and they look at each other and they just sort of charge out of the doorway firing both of their guns simultaneously and yeah then it's a freeze frame. We don't see them actually die, but we do hear some audio. Yeah. Implying that they they died. They they mm. they died. The movie ends right there. Mm. They died, and that's no, they, in real life. That's where they um, are known to have died. Uh, however, mm. uh, it's hard to make a television series out of two dead outlaws. Although so, they, they, they continued making like follow ups. Oh yeah, there, there's, there's a prequel. Yeah, Butch, Butch Ca- and Cassidy, the Butch er- and Cassidy, the early days. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. In 1974, they were like, okay, let's do a television series. These characters aren't owned by any particular studio. Mm. Uh, that, although I think it was Fox a... that actually did Butch Cassidy as well, so I think they were in the clear. Although uh, that's that's how they were able, how Hanna-Barbera was able to get the name for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. Yeah. See, Those century, are real people, so there's no... 20th Century Fox did put out the movie, and mm. they put out the failed pilot that we're reviewing today, but... Mm. There's a couple of ways they could have gone to do a Butch and Cassidy television series. Perhaps the most obvious choice is to set it before they died. Mm. They had a lot of adventures. Uh You could just tell a bunch of them and make some stuff up. (laughs) They do it all the time. Look Mm. at The Untouchables. Like, Elliot Ness didn't do crazy shit every week, but we still had a television series based on him trying to constantly mm. catch Al Capone. Well, it was kind of lousy history, but it was fun. And, and Butch and Sundance, the early days, I think, captured that really well. Yeah. That was, that's a Richard Lester film, by the way. So I think, oh, I it, I think it has, it has a, a much defter sense of humor, I think, than George Roy Hill's film. Fair enough. Mm. Um, but instead of doing that, which mm. probably is the obvious way to go, and maybe they didn't want to do it because it was still only five years after the hit movie and people associated Robert Redford and Paul Newman really intrinsically with those roles, instead of doing that, mm. they decided to make a television series, or a pilot for a television series, about Etta Place, who was played by Catherine Ross in the movie. Mm. Uh, and she is the she was the girlfriend of Butch and Sundance, and she made it out alive. Yeah. So they said, okay, what if we follow her adventures? She's still an outlaw. Yeah. You know that could be kind of cool. And honestly, from a conceptual perspective, that sounds like a cool show. <laughs> I'm down with that. And on top of it, 
Well, and yeah, in, sorry. In the in the movie, uh, she is seen as having a, a heck of a lot more agency than the title would have you believe. Mm. It's called Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It should also she should be part of that because Ew. she like was really savvy to what was going on. She was teaching them Spanish. She was like had an active hand in their robberies. Sure. And, like, she was able to match their jokes and kind of talk them down. Uh, her her way of deprecating them was way more exhilarating than anything the two of them had to say to one another. It's kind of weird that she was, honestly, like, mm. neither Paul Newman nor uh, Robert Redford were nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Mm. It was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. It won Best Cinematography, Best Music, Best Original Song, and Best Screenplay. Mm. It's nominated for Best Picture, Director, and Sound. Didn't win those. It is actually kind of weird for me that Catherine Ross wasn't nominated. I thought she's great in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when it came time to do it on television, initially, they couldn't get her. And so who did they get? They got Elizabeth Montgomery <laughs> from Bewitched. She was Samantha. Oh. To star in a badass female outlaw series called Mrs. Sundance. Tragically, we don't have a clip. And uh, they couldn't have just called it Etta, you know. No, no, it's got to well, be. They, they, they need, didn't even marry him. They, they need branding. She didn't so, even marry the guy. No. Like it's so like it's well, so but weird because she hung out with with Sundance, who is the Robert Redford character. Uh, they, I think that was sort of a nickname. According to this pilot, this was a nickname she accumulated. And listen, it's not terribly far of a stretch mm. but there is something a little condescending about it and I want to talk about the way that affects the story but let's give uh, some real quick stats mm. Mrs. Sundance uh, which was a pilot that didn't uh, end up getting picked up but it aired as a TV movie on January 15th 1974 right after Happy Days good lead in Okay. Oh, yeah. That's, it was opposite you, you, you Hawaii. Want a, you yeah. want a hot show as your lead-in? Okay. It was opposite Hawaii Five-0 and Banachek, so cool night of television. <laughs> uh, it was directed by Marvin Chomsky. Marvin Chomsky directed a lot of TV. He directed good. the Star Trek episodes, All Our Yesterdays, and <laughs> And the Children Shall Lead. Are those good episodes, Whitney? Uh, they're okay. Okay. Uh, he also directed the George Hamilton movie version of Evil Knievel. Really? Not the okay. Sam Elliott version that we reviewed, the George Hamilton version. He also directed the pretty damned awful James Garner movie Tank. Oh, I haven't seen Tank. Yeah, James Garner. I think I'm trying to remember what happens in Tank. I think James Garner's son is arrested, so James Garner takes like a World War II tank and starts plowing through everything. They did a Batman the Animated Series episode that was kind of like it, which is really weird. <laughs> I don't understand it, but whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, Elizabeth Montgomery plays at a place. You knew her from Bewitched, but most of her career was doing TV and TV movies. Uh, I think probably most, probably the best well-known TV movie was The Legend of Lizzie Borden. Where she played Lizzie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I vaguely remember, like, I remember, I think I remember seeing, like, it, it came out, like, it aired in the 70s, right? Lizzie uh, Borden? I think so. Late 70s? Maybe yeah, early 80s? I think they re-ran it when I was a kid, because I remember seeing, like, bumpers for it. Oh, there you go. I don't know how, but yeah. Um, and uh, it's mostly a two-hander. It's uh, at a place, a sidekick, and a villain. The sidekick is Jack Maddox. Mm. He's played by Robert Foxworth, who plays Ratchet in the new Transformers movies. Really? Still working today. All right. Or recently, anyway. He was one of the stars of Falcon Crest. Did like 150 episodes of Falcon Crest. He also was in Damien the Omen 2. And apparently, uh, he and Elizabeth Montgomery hit it off. They like lived together for like 20 years. All right. And then, like, I think, and then got married, I think. Like they, they did, they when, really worked out. When did Elizabeth Montgomery? I'm going to look I went to, she, she, she died in the 90s. She died, she died way too in young. in the 90s. Yeah, she um, was pretty young. And, uh, 95 she died. Ah, such a shame. Uh, 
And uh, finally, the last major role in the film is a character named Charles Seringo, played by the great L.Q. Jones. (laughs) L.Q. Jones is an actor that most people don't remember nowadays, and that's a damn shame. He was one of the great character actors. You know his face. He he had one of the great smug faces yeah. in, in like t- 1970s TV character movie actor. Probably his last two big, big, big roles that people would know him mm-hmm. from was uh, he played the pilot in that great Anthony Hopkins movie The Edge. <laughs> right, okay. It's a really great movie. I hope more, more people see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was also, uh, I think it was Three Finger Jake or Two Finger Jake in The Mask of Zorro. Oh, right. He was Anthony Antonio Banderas's. Mm-hmm. uh, uh like mentor before he got Zorro as a mentor, mm. and he's wonderful in that movie. Um, he also directed one of my favorite sci-fi films of the seventies, A Boy and His Dog. Yep. One of the most mean-spirited apocalyptic oh, movies you'll ever see. A Boy and His Dog is pretty glorious. Yeah, yeah it's uh, about a young man and a dog, and uh, young man's played by Don Johnson. Don Johnson, and uh, he's yeah, he's really handsome. He's wandering the the hellish desert landscape. People have been scrounging, and his one goal is to get laid. Yeah, like, that's, that's all, all he wants. He's still just a he's still just like a young dude. Yeah, he only has one thing on his mind, even though. It's the post-apocalyptic like, He doesn't care about getting water. He's not fighting. He's not a badass. He just wants to find a woman to have sex with. And there's not a lot and, of people. <laughs> and yeah, so his pickings are slim. And uh, the twist is the dog he, ha- he has with him. And it's never explained how, but he can psychically communicate with the dog. So I assume it's something to do with radiation. Maybe, but yeah. they, they don't ever say, and ever since the blast, I could have been able to do this. And nope. <laughs> And it goes in this weird, bizarre, like, Zardoz civilization underneath it's the surface a, it's realm. Such a gra- and yeah. the, the ending is one of the most mean-spirited endings. Oh, it's great. It's, it's so great. It's so fucked up. Yeah. It's really fucked If up. you have not seen L.Q. Jones, A Boy and His Dog. I know. He should have directed. It's one of the great cla- uh, He should have directed movies. more. He was, he was a good director. He should have directed more. He was really talented. Um, so, pretty good cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, again, I really like the premise. The actual show, the pilot. Mm-hmm. Less so. Well, let's talk about him. It, it's it's about Etta at a place going on the lamb. Mm-hmm. She has to and essentially just like live like live like a criminal because yeah. she still has a price on her head because of her association with Butch and Sundance. Yeah. Uh, when we pick up with her at the start of the episode, first off, the episode uh, the the pilot begins not unlike the movie Butch Cassidy's on its kid. It's all mm-hmm. in sepia. Um, and it's actually way more reserved than the rest of the movie is. It feels mm-hmm. very uh, pulled back. You know, look at the great history. And it opens with L.Q. Jones playing the guy who's tracking down at a place. And he goes to a train station where someone claims to have caught her. Mm-hmm. But it's not her. She's been working as a school teacher. Yep. Turns out uh, we go to Keller. She's mm-hmm. been working as a school teacher. She's been hiding out in a small town. Um, and, uh, yeah, and there's this moment as she's like a kid's like writing on the blackboard. I will not fight with mm-hmm. that kid. I remember Billy something. <laughs> an, old, an old busybody shows up, which there are always many in the old West. And uh, she says, and, and, the town- and, a, and a moment of respect for those, the actresses always cast as those busybodies. Oh, bless them. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> These were roles. There aren't, sadly, mm. there isn't. There aren't as many great roles for women in classic Western cinema as there should be. And by all rights, really should be. There were a lot of women there. There are a lot of women, but they always played malls or sex workers or sidekicks. Or or put upon wives. Like, we watched uh, for our uh, Cancel Too Soon Patreon series, Only the Best. Mm. Uh, We watched uh, the Best Picture winner, Cimarron. 
mm. uh, which has a great, great lead performance. Was it Irene Dunn in that one? Yes. Irene Dunn is, I think it's Irene mark, Dunn. Yeah. Uh, she plays the wife of like a journeyman, a man who mm. is a frontiersman. He's a great frontier hero. It was Irene Dunn. And, yeah. And, and he's, he's Richard Dix. Yeah, so. he's Richard Dix. And he gets all this credit for being this great Western hero. She does all the damn work, and at least the yeah, movie the movie understands that. But like, she well, actually stays home and does stuff while he's out point, looking heroic. But unfortunately, when he comes back in town, he just condescends to her like crazy. He's like, Here's oh, what you I, were doing wrong. Yeah. Oh, you've been running my businesses. Ah, oh, yes, yeah, so and now it's much larger. But um, but actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Totally mansplains the entire thing to her. Man- mansplains life yeah. to her. And yeah, I, I think the movie ultimately sides with her, but yeah, it's not necessarily great portrayals <laughs> not, yeah. of, of women's experiences on the frontier. Well, and, and it's not called, you know, Irene Dunn's character. It's not. It's actually named after their son, which doesn't that's make, a little odd. It really doesn't make well, a lot of sense. It's also named after the place, but yeah. Still. It's, it's, country person but they named the son that and it kind of like places a lot we're getting off on a rant um so yeah so the idea is uh this whole busybody says okay the town council has liked your work you've been with us for like a few months Mm -hmm. and uh, you seem to be doing well with the kids so they'd like you to stay i on the other hand have questions because you are (laughs) first off you're elizabeth montgomery like right after bewitched you are unspeakably gorgeous (laughs) And how, all you want to do, do you is get your hair that way in the old west. Yeah, you, I, where did you find makeup? Like, <laughs> there's she's unspeakably. She points out you are unspeakably gorgeous, and mm. yet you want to live in not even a good frontier town. We're a crappy frontier town. Mm. Like, there's nothing here. If I were you, I'd be anywhere but here. And I've also noticed that literally every time like a train goes into town, you like run indoors and hide. <laughs> so why are you here? And then Liz Montgomery changes the subject and. She realizes that her time here might be short, even though it looked like she might have a future. Mm. At this point, an Old West show, like a like a Wild West review. St- stage performance. Uh, yeah, a bunch of, bunch of traveling performers come to town. And they're uh, reenacting the life of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah, which is, they're, which is a thing. they're local legends. That was the thing, yeah. Yeah, and in fact, uh, those kinds of plays and performances about uh, legends of... Americana were really, really common. If you've ever seen uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, mm. which you should because it's great, Robert Ford, after he assassinated Jesse James, no spoilers, it's in the title, uh, he actually would go put on shows reenacting how he did it. <laughs> that was entertainment at the time. Nice. So, nice. well, also, the, the list of cast credits on this TV movie are actually pretty slim, and there's a lot of minor characters who don't mm-hmm. get credited. And unfortunately, the copy we were able to find was not particularly transferred very well. It hasn't been well taken care of, this this pilot-slash-TV movie. I'm about 90% sure that the guy who played, I think, Sundance, uh-huh. was a young Brian James. Yeah. Oh, you think? Was it? I think it was. It sounds it was, like him. It, it so looks hard like to him. Tell, but he yeah. made his like cinematic debut in like 1973, 1974 with okay. TV stuff. And it's a really minor role, and he just has to play a bad actor, so it's not like they would have gotten like someone amazing. It's like really <laughs> theoretically possible that that was Brian James, but unfortunately, because the transfer was so bad, mm-hmm. and because they didn't list everyone who had a line in the credits, only like the top eight people yeah, in the cast, yeah. that character isn't given any credit. The credit isn't on IMDb. Oh, I didn't even... I would, yeah, he looks I, and I would sounds, not have even thought of that. He sounds just like him, mm-hmm. and he looks enough like him that I'm mostly sure. Okay. That that's, if you don't know who Brian James is, Brian James is a great, sadly, long-since-departed character mm-hmm. actor. Um, he was in The Fifth Element. 
He's in Blade Runner. Oh yeah, he was yeah. one of the he was one of the replicants in Blade Runner. He's the mm-hmm. one at the beginning who like freaks out because he doesn't understand what a difference is between a turtle and a tortoise and kills a guy. He's been in so many just great, wonderful. Like he's been great in a lot of really horrible B movies. Yeah, he's always yeah. a reliable like LQ Jones, a really reliable character actor. Again, I'm not a hundred percent sure, mm-hmm. but I would put money on it. <laughs> I would put Brian money. I, I don't know where I can find this yeah. out because it's just not listed anywhere, not even on the film. But I'm, I'm, pretty I'm sure I'm scrolling through Brian James' filmography right now. Such and, a uh, cool filmography. B R I O N to Brian James. Yeah. Uh, right, he was in Galactica 1980. Um, yeah. I'm scrolling through. It's like it took me three minutes just to get through 1994. He worked a lot. <laughs> he was so prolific. Yeah. Uh, I was such a fan. According to the, he has no no credit for this. Right, but also look, this is like right when he got started. Yeah, like 1973, 1974. Okay, his uh, 74. His first credit on the Internet Movie Database is Get Christy Love, an episode of Get Christy Love. Yeah, see, it's not exactly an auspicious and then debut. He, then he was in The Waltons, an episode of Gunsmoke, because everyone was in Gunsmoke. So this, it really does fit like what he would have been doing at this time, and it's just a role that wasn't big enough to get credit. All right, this is my theory. If anyone can prove or disprove me. Please. He was in an episode of Rockford playing a character named Clamshell. <laughs> what a great life. A oh, man. What Brian a great James. career. I would kill to have Brian James's career. What a cool career he yeah. had. Oh, man. Anyway, we digress. Um, so, at a place, goes to this show, and uh, she's being portrayed, by the way, as a really brash, guns a-blazing harlot of the West. Like, you know, just... uh, It's great. It's so funny. Everyone treats her that way. What she really just has is confidence. Yeah. She's just a a confident person, and I I think uh, she's taking a lot of cues from the Catherine Ross performance. Well, the Catherine Ross performance of Etta Place actually wasn't super historically accurate, as is my understanding. Okay. As my understanding, Etta Place in real life uh, was a sex worker. Okay. Um, and that's how she got to know Butch and Sundance. However, William Goldman th- thought that she wouldn't read well, or maybe she was too attractive to be a sex worker at the time because mm. it was a rough life. Um, so he decided to focus on the idea that she's a school teacher. Mrs. Sundance kind of plays it both ways. Her reputation is as a sex worker, but is. all we ever see her actually do is try to be a school teacher. Okay. Um, while she is watching this show, she sees LQ Jones like scouring the audience. Mm. Turns out this was all a plot. He's been putting on Butch Cassidy and his Sundance hit shows all over the West, trying to lure her out of hiding because how mm. could she resist like in Hamlet or something? <laughs> Which is honestly a really crappy plan. Like that plan makes no sense. Like that plan's really elaborate and weird. But it worked. So she freaks out. She puts on her best, like, Newsies costume, where she just, like, puts on, like, a really great Newsies cap and a bunch of denim, and it looks like she's it's a little anachronistic, honestly, just in terms of the way everything's cut. It looks like she'd be really cool and stylish in the 1970s. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the hair and the clothes, this is all, this is low-budget 1970s TV movie. True. So, of course, everything's going to look a little bit disco you know, the, the the men are going to have the feathered hair. The women are going to ha- also have the feathered hair. Um, there, there's no, like, denim jeans, luckily. People, like, women aren't walking around in, like, tight denim jeans. But it's close. Like, like Cat Baloo or something. She but, looks uh, like she's wearing jeans, though. Like, she's they're, they're cut like that. It's my point, uh, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, it's a thing. Mm. Um, so, she's, so she goes on the lam, mm. and she ends up in a freight car with a hobo. 
Uh, and uh, it's my understanding that if you're actually on freight cars, hobo is the correct term. Am I right? Yes. Okay, thank you. I've used it incorrectly before, and I apologize. It's, in it's, and it's not a pejorative. It's just descriptive. Okay. Uh, he's played by his character named Jack Maddox. Again, he's played by Robert Foxworth. Mm. And his whole thing is... He's a blowhard, and he starts bragging about how he used to hang out with Butch and Sundance. And Elizabeth Montgomery's like, uh-huh. Mm. And uh, there's that moment where, because yeah. she's dressed in boy clothes, where he doesn't know that she's a boy. Or not a boy. Or he doesn't know that yeah. she's not a boy. And then, like, you see, honestly, way more cleavage than you would normally <laughs> see in a TV movie. Like, way more. Remember like, that's, pretty that, scandalous, actually. Remember that scene in The Aviator where they were, like, measuring cleavage to prove that it was okay to put that in a movie? This isn't yeah. technically obscene. It's uh, fine. Yeah, like, it doesn't it, make it, any here, sense. Here's one that you did put in the movie. Here's ours. And it's that's the same amount of cleavage. Yeah, yeah that kind of thing. So then he's like, oh, she's, she's you're, you're a lady and you look like Samantha from Bewitched. Perhaps we could, <laughs> perhaps we could fornicate tonight. And mm-hmm. she's just like, no, I have this gun. And he's just like, oh, no. Well, have some cheese then. I have cheese. And <sighs> at this point, the movie starts to really lose its way for me because I'm well, with you in principle, but she stops having dialogue. Well, she stopped. Like, here's the idea. She, she goes on the lamb, right? And you yeah. think it's going to be this kind of desperate adventure. She has to go from town to town that now she has a goal. Yeah. She has to build a posse, or she has to make it to a certain location, or mm-hmm. she has to... And eventually she does get a clearer yeah. goal, but at first, uh, but initially yeah. she's just on the lamp. Well, not not even just initially. I feel like the bulk of the movie is her just drifting. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand she's on the run, she's trying to get away from that guy, but she doesn't have, like, a, a series of connections across the landscape, or... Uh, like skills that she can tap into. Oh yes, I once worked as a railroad worker, or I know this like this bartender over in this other town. So we're going to go over there and hide out there for like she is not guiding anything. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. She becomes a non-entity in her own story. Yeah, it she becomes, becomes, L- she becomes L- a second Q- fiddle. It becomes LQ Jones. It becomes you know her hobo buddy. Yeah, who I keep wanting to call Chris Mannix, which is the character from The Hateful Eight. <laughs> It was John Magic. Because you've Maddox. seen that movie literally 200 times. I saw it like less than eight hours ago. It's like oh I projected it again. It's like, <laughs> yes, I've seen The Hateful Eight way more than I want to. Oh it's part God. of my job. I have to project it. It's literally his job, yeah. Um, not <laughs> so, not yeah. even just being a film critic. Like so, He's a projectionist. Is that you, Chris Mannix? No, it's not Chris Mannix. It's John Maddox. And John Maddox and... And Etta should have, like, a good... They should have a good relationship, and they did in real life. Yeah, it's weird that we don't see more chemistry on screen because they don't give her anything to do. Like, yeah, the idea yeah. is... Uh, she yeah. should be the one taking him by the hand and showing he's he's our yeah. access into her world. The setup is actually pretty clever, yeah. where he starts thinking, okay, well, here's mm. this young lady. She's very attractive. Clearly, she's not very good at this, mm. you know, being on the lamb thing. Yeah. I'm going to show her the ropes, and I'm going to play myself up a little bit. I'm going to tell her I know Butch and Sundance. Ha! Good luck proving me wrong. Mm. And then, of course... Really? How often did you sleep with them? <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh. she would prove him wrong at every point. That's a good setup for a movie. I can see that. That's got a little subversive, mm. kind of fun, and yeah, maybe they could develop some sexual thing. Like, yeah. that, that might actually work. Clearly, it works in real life. However, mm. he just won't shut up, and then she doesn't... <laughs> I swear to God, from the point... From the scene where she talks... Where she teaches a little bit and then talks mm. to the old lady until the end of the movie, like, after that scene of dialogue at the beginning, mm. I'd be surprised if she has more than 20 lines of dialogue. 
It sounds about right. It doesn't, yeah. She doesn't have a lot. She's very, very quiet. She lets him do all the talking, which I realize might be, you know, sort of a plan. You know, don't call attention to myself. Let people underestimate me. Yeah. And, but there's like a little moment where... They're being chased down by this Syringo guy, who is not from the original movie, at least as near as I can tell, because in the original movie, the guy chasing them down was a guy named LaFors, um, who was eventually, that character was then uh, adapted into the mall cop and mall rats. Yeah, yeah. Fun. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, they're on the run from this, like, notorious bounty hunter, mm. and there's, like, one bit where she actually, like, she says, give me your belt, and he's like, why? Why would I do that? Just give me your damn belt she uses the belt and uses it to like lash around uh the mouth of a horse so that they can mm-hmm. steal a horse problem is they say that sounds like a good idea oh she's gonna do something he couldn't do mm-hmm. thing is the horse is so tame mm-hmm. it just lets her do that and she just like didn't need to do anything mm-hmm. so she's like oh give me your belt okay here horse horse is like thank you and then they <laughs> run away and then someone's just like Dad, they're stealing lobo and then the guy shoots at the horse because that's what you want to do and uh then they get away. How come like, people never shoot horses more in westerns? Because it's expensive on productions. I guess so. Do you, do you actually, think it happened more often, like I'll bet it in, in the Wild West? Well, like, just shoot horses out from under people. Here's a great, there's actually a great example of this mm-hmm. uh, in John Ford's Stagecoach. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen Stagecoach, it's fantastic. It's one of the quintessential mm-hmm. westerns. Uh, it's about a bunch of people on a stagecoach, a bunch of disparate personalities, and they encounter one dangerous situation after another. And it ends with a siege from, I'm, I'm not sure which tribe actually, uh, mm-hmm. but a bunch of Native American Indians are mm-hmm. on their horses shooting arrows at them. It's a thrilling action sequence. And one of the questions mm-hmm. that someone allegedly asked John Ford was, if they wanted to stop the stagecoach, why didn't they shoot the horses? Mm. To which John Ford allegedly replied, because then the movie would be over. <laughs> but actually, some people have come back from that saying there was actually a really good reason for that. The horses would be very valuable. Mm. Horses would almost guess, be invaluable yeah. in this thing. So there actually would be a reason mm. not to do that. However, I have also more recently seen Westerns where people do shoot the horses. Okay. I've also seen, I think it was an episode of Firefly. Special effects let you do that a little bit mm-hmm. without actually harming a horse now. So, I've, yeah. I've also seen, I think it was an episode of Firefly where they talked about this. There was like a siege and a bunch of people had horses and mm-hmm. they were coming to attack them. And they said um, a dead horse provides cover. Like mm-hmm. they can like get behind the horse okay. and like hide. Crouch behind a yeah, fallen horse. Yeah. Okay. Whereas a horse without a rider scatters and creates chaos and that could actually throw your opponent off. Okay. Their, their thought. Right. So people have put thought into this. Okay. Whether or not it's necessarily the best rationale, fine. However, that guy is mad that they're stealing his horse. Maybe he should not shoot in that direction. <laughs> Maybe that's not the... He had another, I think he had another horse. Just grab okay. another horse. Chase after him. Do what you gotta do. Um... They have a couple of campfire thoughts, and then at some point, she... but they're, they're not deep or revelatory. Like mm. she doesn't give the sort of moment where she gets to sort of expose her soul. And this is the pilot. You think you want something to really give you a, a bedrock establishing notion behind her character, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, like she starts being kind of like brash and lippy. And yeah, by now she's just a non-entity. She has like they took all of her character away. Yeah, and I understand she's afraid, and her you know she wouldn't be this on, is, at her most confident necessarily if she's on the run. And in some but respects, that doesn't read. This, and in some respects, this is a story about someone who is trying to hide mm-hmm. out. Yeah, deciding to live a more adventurous life now on her own without Butch and Sundance. Mm. 
However, it doesn't <laughs> really read like that. Uh-huh. At some point, she falls asleep, and then Maddox absconds, and he ends up with Syringo. And it turns out, this is all an elaborate con job, like the worst David Mamet movie ever. And, uh, and it doesn't make any sense. Well, here's, what, here's what's going on here. Uh, Butch and Cassidy were part of the Hole in the Wall gang. The idea is somewhere the hole in the wall in question is where they kept most of their loot and no one ever found it. And so Syringo thinks there's only one person left alive who might know where that is and it's at a place. Mm. So if we trick her into thinking, as indeed they do, that Sundance is still alive, alive. like maybe, maybe, because she wasn't there for that, maybe... Someone else died in his place, and people just think he died. And this is actually something that's been played with in other films. Like, there's a movie called Blackthorn with uh, Sam Shepard, where he plays... I I think it's Sundance if he had lived. Okay. It's an okay movie. It's it's not amazing, but it's good. Um, So that's the idea. We trick her into thinking that Sundance is still alive. He's not. If we trick her into thinking he's alive, she'll head over to the hole in the wall, and she'll lead us directly to it. Okay, it's really elaborate. So we start. So let's let's track your plan real fast. Okay, first thing we're gonna do: start a Wild West show. We're gonna hire actors. We're gonna get daredevils. We're gonna get all this stuff together. Now we're going to schedule, and we're gonna start going from town to town. Really, just soup it up. We're gonna need a big sign on this train, and uh, yeah, and then eventually she'll get bored and go, and then. She, in this huge crowd of people we've amassed, the three people we have in on the scheme will see her, and then we won't do anything, and we'll trust that she'll stow away in one of the train cars, because she probably will. Uh-huh. Then, we'll stow away some other guy who's actually not with us on this and really has every reason in the world to betray us the first chance he gets, but we'll get him to do it. Mm-hmm. And then... We'll get her, who used to hang out with Butch and Sundance and, you know, actually has a lot of experience with outlaws. We'll just trust that she sucks at it this time. And uh, then we'll convince her that Sundance is alive. And then she'll go to where he might be. That's a shitty plan. Mm, Yeah. That plan does not work. Is it just me? Uh, it, it's one of those uh, it, it's one of those frustratingly plotted pilots and I've seen this in movies all the time where they have ideas for a few fun moments mm-hmm. and they try to connect them after the fact so yeah. it's like we're gonna put on a show well how can we work that into a plot I don't know mm. but we'll kind of stretch something this way and that and yeah it's like stretching a rubber band ac- across like mm-hmm. a, a, just this weird system of pulleys yeah you can get pretty far with it but eventually it will snap it, it'll and in this case, like they, it's like they didn't even get it around every cog. <laughs> like they they weren't able to connect anything. So I actually had to like go back and watch the second half of this a second time mm. just to follow what was going on. And I still was little a little unclear as to what their plan was. Which is really weird because like that would be hard to follow because really that plot. It's only like two scenes where they talk about it. Mm. Everything else is just her and this Maddox guy wandering the west. And One if, time they if, run into some. They, at some point, they run into someone she knew, and then they have to run away again. And if they had like interesting dialogue, or they were talking about themselves, or even Butch and Sundance, that mm-hmm. would have been fine. Imagine if it was just him, like the entire time, bragging about all these adventures he had with Butch and Sundance, uh-huh. and she just lets it slide, kind of giving him a knowing wink from time to time. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, oh by the way, 
I knew them better than you. I know you're a liar. Yeah. But I'm going to let it continue because the leg- their legend is bigger than they are there's, almost immediately. There's no moment, really, where he just realizes what a fool... I mean, I realize it might be part of the scheme to get her to underestimate him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of elaborate. And yeah. I don't really buy it. It's a weird bit of writing. Well, and I think what they wanted was to give them sort of a romance. They start to fall in love, and mm-hmm. they, or they at least develop a sort of like partnerly regard for one another. I think what they're and definitely doing is trying to turn him into from an ig- from, yeah. well, from an ignoble outlaw to a noble outlaw, to so an mm-hmm. outlaw with principles. There you go. By the end of the and, film, and, and they do. And by the end, they're going to have this premise where it's now Mrs. Sundance and LQ jo- or not LQ Jones. Um, um. Uh, uh, Robert Foxworth. Robert Foxworth. uh, It's a two-hander. It's going to be those two characters going on adventures together. I'm fine with that. Just make him her sidekick and it's fun. Mm. Problem is, she never really takes charge after like that one bit with the horse. And the rest of it is just him leading her around. And then at one point, they get to the hole in the wall. or She actually doesn't know exactly where the hole in the wall is, but she knows basically where they used to hang out. Mm. And she gets there and she sees that the person that they claimed died in Sundance's stead is buried there mm. and of course she puts it all together it's like uh you you're an asshole <laughs> and then what happens is they know that LQ Jones is like 30 minutes away mm. and they start talking about unrelated stuff and I think the idea is supposed to be the inevitable is coming mm. we're screwed let's make the most of the time we have doesn't play that way, though. It plays like they're just oblivious to the drama. Like, it's kind of really awkwardly handled. But uh, at some point, LQ Jones does show up, and they decide to put off one last stand, and, uh... Uh... What's... Maddox... Maddox sees the light and decides that she's worth protecting rather than turning her in. Hmm. He does pretty good. Kills a bunch of people. Um, she ends it's, up like hiding not, in it. She ends up hiding in a cabin the whole time. It's not very though. thrilling. Like it's no. not not really dynamically shot. It's like like the odds are against yeah. them. This should be suspenseful, mm. and it kind of is for a bit. But the weird thing is, he shoves her in a cabin, and I'm like, she rode with Butch and Sundance. I'm sure she can handle a gun, and indeed she can. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if this is all her plan. Like, listen, I'm going to convince him that I need all the all the help. He'll take out a few of them. I don't have to do jack shit. Maybe he'll take out all of them. I don't have to worry about anything. But And, and then he'll and, get killed and I'm free of him. So yeah, yeah, maybe. But they never like clarify that she's that, that clever. Mm. And eventually he dies. It's a little tragic. He's sad. Mm. You know, he has, has some last words and things. And uh, LQ Jones... Does LQ Jones die? I'm trying to remember. I just watched it last night and it's a little... He's, did he die or did he just get left behind? He just got left behind. Yeah. And then she... Pretty, pretty sure he just got left behind. And then she runs off. And I think the implication is that now that she's put Butch and Sundance behind her, mm-hmm. she has found her own agency and then maybe she will become a great outlaw. But we didn't get there. Well, there's a few scenes where she... Like when she first hears, oh no, uh, Sundance might still be alive. Mm-hmm. And she has a like a bit of an existential crisis and then finds that you've been lying to me. It turns out Bush was really dead this whole time. Yeah. Like those are like the only kind of moments of catharsis we have with her character. Mm. It's like when, when she realizes that she's still living in these, these people's shadow and kind of how shaken she was when she realized she was still living in these people's shadow. Right. And you would think that would lead, again, you'd think that would lead to a moment where she'd reveal something about herself. Something! And we can only kind of glean from those moments what's happening with with Edda, but Mm. uh, yeah, we can't, she doesn't actually give it to us. It's Mm. not actually in the movie. It stinks. 
So I can only interpret that this is a, a story about how she's finally shaped. Like she goes in at the beginning of the, the TV movie and sees this legendary stage performance. She's been a teacher. She's trying to live on her own. She goes out on the lamb. She's trying to run away, liter- like literally run away from what Butch and Sundance left behind for her. And it comes into her and town it, and anyway. It keeps, and it keeps on coming back after, and it's chasing her. And and it turns out he might still be alive, and she's just sidelined again. And this is really rough for her. And when Such she a finally, great premise. And when she finally realizes that he is, in fact, dead, and this has all been a scheme, and that they've actually been following her negatively, like... Yeah. Beyond the grave, they've hung an albatross around her neck. Mm-hmm. And she's finally going to rise above and become her own person... That's the only arc I can really take from this. Mm. And that's a good arc if they had written it that way, Mm. which they didn't really. They just sort of let her meander. And you would think that in the 1970s with such an interesting character and such a good, strong actress with a lot of presence that they'd actually bother to explore some sort of feminist angle like that, that they're trying to outlive the legend of the great men who are now dead and are actually harming her in retrospect. Yeah. It's such a great premise! It's a good premise. This is inherently dramatic. They set it all up, and then they just... Didn't, I don't know. They if just maybe, sort of like, sleptwalked through it, and I, it's hard to say because like you want to give a lot of credit to the writers for like working with that premise, but they don't put enough juice into this. Yeah, there's yeah. just there's nothing of substance to latch onto other than the idea of what it could be, mm. and it's a shame because I, I think was it Fox? I keep fucking up his name. Robert Foxworth. <laughs> he's a decent actor. Mm. Never blows me away, but he's fine. I, I think Elizabeth Montgomery clearly had a more interesting idea in her head of what this could be. Yeah. Because she she was Samantha. She was awesome in Bewitched. She was mm-hmm. smart, capable, uh, worked within you know a sexist institution of society, but also broke out of it and proved mm-hmm. herself better than that at every single turn. So the idea of this character to her probably seemed really, really appealing. And I think she could have been really, really great at it. She does not have the material here. And that sucks. Well, and by the end of it, I don't know what the premise of the... Like, this was a, a pilot that was turned into a TV movie. Mm-hmm. So what we're supposed to be left with at the end of the pilot is a premise, right? <laughs> uh, and I, Yeah. yeah. And, they kind of forget to do that bit. Yeah, so th- there needs to be a scene where she puts on the cowboy hat, gets on a horse, and rides <laughs> off into the sunset. That's what you do. <laughs> that's what you want. And that's what you want to, at the end of this, it's, say, it's predictable. I can't yes, wait to see what she, for it. Yeah. I want to know, what what's she going to do next? Yeah, yeah. And here it just... I mean, it's a little cathartic. I can see the sort of elegiac idea of this movie, but they don't really go there. I think that's something that kind of is one of the things that rubs me the wrong way about Butch and Sundance is how elegiac it feels all throughout. Mm, Like this constant farewell. There's something extra romantic about what they're doing when I don't see anything too. I think it's really kind of quaint what they're doing. Right. Uh, And unfortunately, that has now leaked into this TV movie. We have to spend this entire TV movie continuing to let Butch and Sundance go. Mm. It's like, it's about their tragic death. That's what the movie's known for now, is their tragic death and how much they sacrifice to get there, and it's so tiresome. And we go on, they're already dead and we're still saying farewell. What are we going to do in the next... But she, on the other hand, actually has a reason for that. Well, she has a reason... From her character perspective, this actually makes sense. But that's the sort of farewell you want to put at the end of the first season. It's like, we're finally going (laughs) to... Like, she has her adventures, but it's still sort of hanging over her. She's okay. been developing herself. By the end of the first season, that's the finale. 
Oh gosh, Sundance is still alive. No, he's not. I am my own person now. That would be a better arc. That That would be a better arc. arc She was chasing Sundance across the West and she keeps missing him, like one-armed man almost. Or or she's having her own adventures and people say, oh, I know you. Sundance is close on your trail. Oh, do you have to keep bringing him up, please? Yes, but you're Mrs. Sundance. Phew, I'm Etta James. (laughs) Not Etta James. (laughs) I sing at last. No, um, I'm, <laughs> well, actually, she I'm had a place. At a place had like a couple mm. other mm. Uh, pseudonyms, but um, mm. yeah, you're right. I, again, and this was a good time for that kind of thing. Like, television was starting to really break into adventure and action themed shows with female leads. You were starting to get get Christy Love. You're starting to get Police Woman, and yeah, okay, Charlie's Angels. Exactly. I, I, I was, like, there, off, they were objectified, but still, no, they were but the heroes. It was a mo- It was a step. In that direction, mm-hmm. and there you could get really except Wonder Woman, you could get these mm-hmm. really cool roles for women in primetime adventure slots. Yeah, in yeah. the primetime adventure slots, there's no reason why this couldn't have worked, except if you make it bad, and they did. <laughs> funnily enough, mm-hmm. funnily enough, this was not the last TV movie. I was looking up Mrs. Sundance, and I found this other. T- I didn't even know this existed and until after don't. I had seen this. But there yeah. is actually. This isn't the pilot, but there was actually an official TV movie sequel to Butch Casting and Sundance Kid called Wanted the Sundance Woman. With Catherine Ross. Catherine Ross returned for the role. Oh. Holy shit. <laughs> and I need to try, I want to try to track that down so we can do that on the monthly movie. Yeah. Because I just yeah. want to finish this. <laughs> just tie up all the Butch and Sundance I'm TV always really, projects. I'm always really fascinated. I want to look one up. Hang on a second. I'm always really fascinated by TV movie sequels that actually include the original cast so they feel official. Yeah. Because there's yeah. a lot of TV movie sequels where it's just like we just recast a bunch of people and this mm-hmm. is what, this is the next Dirty Dozen or whatever. But like, actually, every once in a while, they get like a real sequel with a real actor and mm-hmm. 1986's The Last Days of Patton starring George C. Scott. <gasps> right? Oh no. Right? Oh, poor George C. Scott. He was doing okay in the 80s. I don't know. I, I, well, the early what? 80s isn't like hardcore and the changeling. He was, he was yeah, alright. He, he wanted to do it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was for Delbert Mann, the guy who directed Marty. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. So like and, maybe and a lot of I think he did a lot of westerns, Delbert Man too. Yeah, yeah. So like it wasn't like you know a hugely disappointing thing to do, mm. but uh, yeah, he did a sequel to Patton, starring George C. Scott, who won an Oscar for Patton, which admittedly is a truly fantastic performance in a really great World War II movie. Mm. Um, so yeah, I want to try to track that one down too because that's weird. Damn it, <laughs> that's really weird. <laughs> And here, George C. Scott gets hit in the crotch of the football. Ah, my groin! Yeah, my groin! <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm torn on this one. I'm torn on uh, 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 Mrs. Sundance because nothing wrong with the premise, and this could have just been the worst episode. You can't lead with that, but uh, a part of me wants to see this show with un- this cast. Unfortunately, they led with this. Yeah. The, the, and they proved right off the bat that they didn't have an idea. Mm. It's like, okay, we're going to do a follow-up to Butch and Sundance. We have this really interesting character. What are you going to do with her? Jack and shit. We're going to do <laughs> nothing with this character. We're going to get we're gonna get a great person to play her. Mm. We're going to get a great villain that we can keep coming back to every single week. It's like they, for, but they forgot to make the pilot at the end of the day. It's yeah. Like, okay, we got everything in line. Here's the pilot. Oh, wait, we forgot to shoot. Everybody, out, out to the California desert. Go, go, go. <laughs> got to shoot something fast. Bring a camera. Yeah. Elizabeth Montgomery doesn't have time to learn her lines. Don't give her any! 
What are we rehearsing? Rehearsing? What are you mad? How do we get out there? Well, we got to take a train. I have an idea. She meets a hobo. That's just, just, just shoot on the train. We got to get footage. Like it doesn't feel rushed, but it like at the end of the actually day, feels it really might slow. Yeah, yeah, actually yeah. feels really slow, just because they don't have the material to put in there. Mm. They didn't film all the all the scenes aren't scenes. A lot of them are just <laughs> just they filmed fucking a, around. A lot of the in between scenes, not filming the important scenes. I know it's really really frustrating. This one was frustrating because again, great premise, mm. bad show. Damn shame is what it is. But uh, that is canceled too soon for this week. So thank you everybody for listening. We will be back next week mm. with a review. Of probe, just probe, just probe, <laughs> probe. Probe is a science is a science laden detective series. Not science fiction, no, necessarily, well, not necessarily. But Although like, it's, it was created by Isaac Asimov. <laughs> Isaac Asimov co-created a detective show about a detective who solves mysteries that involve some something that should be scientifically impossible. Yeah, uh, it was very short lived. It was on in the 1980s. It started. Oh God, where's, do we have that? It starts. Uh, oh, here we go. What's his uh, name? We had the box. Right I want to get his here, name. Yeah. What the hell is his name? It starts Parker Stevenson from Baywatch. <laughs> um, and I cannot wait to see this. I've been wanting to watch this one for a while. Hmm. So that is coming up next week. Yeah, it's from. Uh, and this is. Not not probe the seventies film, but probe the nineteen eighty eight TV series. So don't mix up the two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Different, different. Mm-hmm. There've been there there have been multiple probes. Yeah. Um, and uh, also, uh, just a heads up: we are way behind on our letters, and we're going to do some letters episodes in the coming week yes. of this and our other show as well. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not too late. You can't email us. Cancel too soon at gmail.com, Right. That's right. Okay. Uh, don't forget, you can join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash canceled too soon. We have a new episode of The Randomizer coming up in the next few days. <laughs> uh, we're going to try to do another Canceled Too Soon monthly movie in the next few days. And uh, we are getting close because, again, we had to do a bunch of research at the UCLA library. We're getting close to finally being able to do the next Only the Best. It's more, I assure you, if you're frustrated that we haven't gotten to that one yet, mm. it's more frustrating for us. We like, want this we, done. We've been even kicking around the idea of starting another podcast that just so we could get to it more quickly. <laughs> yeah, we have. Yeah. We're actually probably in the next season uh, mm-hmm. uh, because we're coming up on our big awards episode at the end of April. Uh, we are probably going to do another bonus show that is something that is less labor intensive, and we can crank it out way quicker so, and way we, more we, easily. We want to be, and you don't need to know how easily we get to these things, but. If we can do it quickly, that means we you get more content from us, and that's, exactly. that's what we want to provide for We you. want to provide as much mm-hmm. content as we possibly can, because you guys support our content, and mm-hmm. we love you for it. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, we especially thank you. But thank you every single person who's listening. If you can't afford to help us out on Patreon, tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter at CancelledCast. Um, there are other ways to support the show. Leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find the program. Thank you again. Thank you, everybody, for being totally, totally awesome and following us on this weird, weird journey. Mm. Um, my name is William Bibiani. You can follow me on Twitter, at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold, the, the one with the weirdest spelling. And that's a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season. Mm-hmm.